Well, the end of the world may not happen tomorrow, but the way I live because of it should change today. That really is the big idea for this uh, sermon series we're in, week number two of a sermon series called The End of the World as We Know It. If you're new here, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here. And for everyone uh, who is here, whether you're new or regular here in the auditorium or one of the many people that joined us on a video screen somewhere, thank you so much for choosing to be with us today. Uh, I know that you might have come not realizing we're in a series talking about the end of the world or the return of Christ. And so you might be second guessing your decision to attend church today. So let me alleviate, hopefully, uh, maybe some, some fears in the room. You might be thinking, did I really come on this Sunday? Like, is this going to get weird? Are they doomsdayers here? Do I have to drink Kool-Aid before I go? I mean, one of those questions might be in your mind. Now, I understand that there are definitely some things in the Bible that we're going to read about the end times and return of Christ. They do sound super weird. So uh, I'm going to give you my word. I can't speak for everybody in the room. I'm going to give you my word. I'm going to do my best not to be weird myself as we portray our view, or at least my view, of the return of Christ and the end of the world. We're not going to make any bold uh, predictions about it as well. I'm not going to try to tell you when Christ is coming back. We are not doomsdayers, and I promise today we are not serving Kool-Aid. That's next Sunday we're doing that. So just kidding, we're not doing that either. Uh, I do think, though, I do think we should pay special attention to things that are happening around us and then seek to know what the Bible says about those things and how they relate to our everyday lives. You don't even have to be a Christian uh, to be interested in or to learn from these things either. I talked with someone last week after one of our, uh, one of our services, and they don't uh, call themselves a follower of Jesus, but they said, uh, thank you, your sermons always give me something to think about. And so if you are not a Christian and you're here today, I'm thrilled that you're here. No other place I'd rather you be. And at the very, very least, I hope that this message, and if you come back and we'd love for you to, I hope our messages always at least, the very least, give you something to think about when it comes to our belief about Jesus. So last week, if you want to get caught up, you can go back and watch last week's message, preferably not right now, but when you get home. And last week we talked about the end of the world. And we said knowing when the end will come is not as important as knowing what to look for. And we talked through some signs that Jesus gave us that alert us that the end is drawing near and how we should respond to those signs. I love what Jesus says uh, that really all of us should take to heart uh, in our, as, as our response to problems that will continue in the world. Jesus said this, Matthew 24, verse 6. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars. And he goes on to give other problems like famines, earthquakes, disease. You'll hear of these, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. So I challenged us, I think Jesus is challenging us, to be confident in a God who is in control. Amen. Don't panic when these problems continue. So that was last week. This week, though, I want to talk to us solely about the return of Christ. That as a church, we believe that not only was Jesus God in the flesh, 
Not only did Jesus come as one of us, die in our, in our place, paying the penalty for our sins, but he then rose from the dead. He ascended to the right hand of God the Father where he now sits on his throne awaiting his return. We believe that one day Jesus is coming back. Amen? He's coming back. And when he returns, he will raise to life all those who died while believing in him, and then he will rescue those who are still alive and believing in him, and he will give all of those who ever believed in him, both living and dead, new bodies with no defects, deformities, disease, or disabilities, and he will restore not only our bodies, but he will restore our planet as well into a glorified and perfected state for eternity, and we will live and and reign with Christ on this new heaven on earth. Now, you might be thinking, do you really believe all that? Like, you believe Jesus is coming back and, and he's going to give us new bodies and change the earth and do all that stuff you know about? Like, why would you believe those things about his return? That sounds super weird. So, this is going to sound even more weird. Does anybody remember a couple months ago when the Trump jet was here at the airport? Remember that a couple months ago when that happened, right? How's that for a segue to the return of Christ, the Trump jet? Here we go. Okay, I'm, I'm, leaving, I'm leaving that one alone, by the way. That one's staying right there, not talking about that. Uh, on the week of Easter, leading up to Easter, I was driving north on Warren Avenue here in town. I, I was driving by the airport, looked off to the side, and there on the tarmac I saw, saw this, the Trump jet was sitting out on the tarmac here in Cheyenne. So I did what any good first, uh, first world human being would do. When you see that, you take a selfie. So I got a selfie with the Trump jet. <laughs> and I did what you're all supposed to do. I put it on Instagram and I asked the question, does anyone know why this is here? And literally within a few minutes, I learned that Ivanka Trump had brought her family out to Wyoming. Uh, they put the Trump jet there on the tarmac, drove over to Saratoga, where I guess uh, they were having vacation. And so I learned within minutes why they were here. But one comment on my Instagram page stood out to me. Keith Grenowig, who's one of our volunteer leaders here at Element Church, he's also an officer in the Great Highway Patrol here in Wyoming, he commented these words on my question. We knew why, in quotes, it would be there days before they arrived. So here's what I thought pertaining to this sermon. I didn't know they were coming, but the people that needed to know actually knew ahead of time. Like, the highway patrol knew the Trump family was coming and putting their plane there in Cheyenne because they told them they were coming. The ones who were coming said, we are coming, and here's when. So the higher patrol, did not only did they know they were coming, they were actually ready for it. <laughs> so that's why I believe Jesus is coming back, because he told us he was. He told us so. John, one of the 12 apostles, 12 disciples of Jesus, he was an eyewitness to the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus. He records Jesus saying this in John 14, 1 through 3. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. 
Then Matthew, also one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, eyewitness to what Jesus said and did, which by the way, when Matthew and John wrote their eyewitness accounts of Jesus, there were other eyewitnesses that were alive at the time that didn't refute that's what Jesus said. So Matthew, Matthew 24, 25, records Jesus saying this, See, I have warned you about this, talking about his return, ahead of time. So, If Jesus said those things, and we believe he did, if he said that not only would he die, but rise from the dead, and one day he would return, if he said that, we only have one of three options to believe about Jesus. These are the only three options you have. If he said that, he is either a lunatic and should be locked up, he's a liar and should be ignored, or he's Lord, and we better pay attention. That's your only options. Now, you can believe anyone you want, but that's the options we have. Church, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. But the hard part about his return is he doesn't tell us when. He just promised us he is, gave us some signs, and then said, be ready. Matthew 24, verse 44, in fact, Jesus says this, You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. So here's the big idea for today. If you want to write it down, you can. It's on the screens. When Christ returns is not as important as being ready for his return. We all want to know when. There's actually great debate in Christian circles about when that will happen, how it will take place. We all want to know when, but when is not as important as being ready. If if when was so important, Jesus would have told us when, but he didn't. He just said he would come back. I think he did that for a specific reason. I think Jesus did not tell us when so that we would seek to be ready all the time. All the time we should be ready. That's why this should change the way we live today. Because one way or another, whether I die or Christ come back, I will stand before Jesus face to face. And when that happens, I don't know about you, but I want to be ready to meet Jesus face to face. So if being ready is the key, here's the big question for today that I think we have to ask. What should I know to be ready for his return? Part one, because part two is next week. What should I know to be ready for his return? The main scripture is Matthew 24, verses 23 through 35. It'll all be on the screens if you want to follow along there. You can use your own Bible as well. And if you don't own a Bible, please uh, ask for one on your way out at guest services. We'll get you a Bible free of charge. Don't forget, okay, a little background here. All of Matthew 24 and all of Matthew 25, which will be in next week, is Jesus' response to three different questions the disciples asked. At the beginning of Matthew 24, Jesus told the disciples that all the temple buildings in Jerusalem will be destroyed. So in verse 3 of Matthew 24, the disciples asked Jesus, when will that happen? The destruction of the temple. Then they asked, what sign will signal your return and the end of the world? So last week, we looked at Matthew 24, 4 through 14, which I believe Jesus appears to answer the question about signs of the end of the world. 
Then verses 15 through 22, we are not going to even address in this series because I believe Jesus answers the question about the temple being destroyed, which happened in 70 AD, by the way. The temple was destroyed in Jerusalem, so that doesn't really help us in our discussion. That brings us to our main scripture then, Matthew 24, 23 through 31, where Jesus appears to give a very clear description regarding his own return. So knowing when Christ returns is not as important as being ready. We're going to wade in some deep water today, okay? So you guys ready? If you're ready, say ready. ready. All right, here we go. Matthew 24, starting in verse 23, says this. Jesus speaking. Then if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders, so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I've warned you about this ahead of time. So if someone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert, don't bother to go and look, or look, he's hiding here, don't believe it. For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Just as the gathering of vultures shows there's a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate the end is near. Verse 29. Immediately... After the anguish of those days. So what are the signs and what are those days that Jesus is referring to? Well, I think not only are they the signs he's about to mention here that we'll read in a moment, but I think they are also the signs we talked about last week. That problems are going to continue. There'll be wars and threats of wars, earthquakes, famines, and disease. Those things will increase on the planet and continue. There will also be persecution that climbs. Jesus said, the whole world will hate you because you believe in me. They will arrest you, persecute you, and kill you for your faith in me. So I believe, by the way, this is my opinion, okay? I'll do my best to tell you what's my opinion and what's not when I'm going through these messages. This is my opinion. I believe the anguish of those days that Jesus is talking about is at some point our world will unite under a common banner, perhaps even a common government, and part of their uniting will be against those who follow Jesus. I think that happens before Christ returns. Jesus said, going back to verse 29, immediately after the anguish of those days, problems will continue, persecution will climb. The sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light. The stars will fall from the sky and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then, now it gets good, at last, The sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth, and they will see, everyone say see, they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Amen? Jesus is coming back, knowing when the end will come, or knowing when Christ returns is not as important as being ready for his return. So what should I know to be ready? Well, last week we looked at these signs. That's important. This week, the first thing we see here is this. Everyone will see him. Everyone will see him. Jesus said, there'll be deep mourning 
among people on earth. Why will there be mourning when Christ appears? I mean, this passage we just read, by the way, is at the same time both exciting and relieving, but also heartbreaking and sad at the same time. So why will there be mourning? I believe, I believe there will be mourning because people on the earth who have not put their faith in Christ, they will now know that it's true what Christians have been telling them all along. Jesus is coming back. And when he appears, there will be deep mourning on the earth. I actually believe, again, my opinion, but I believe that perhaps during the time where the world unites against believers in persecution, during that worldwide persecution, while the whole world hates Christians, the whole world will also be hearing about Jesus. Because I believe there are going to be Christians, as there are today, all around the world, as they're being arrested and persecuted and killed, they will be telling their persecutors, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. There's still time. There's still time to believe. There's still time to repent. There's still time to forgiveness. That as Peter said, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some people think, he is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to repent. So there's still time, but you've got to be ready. And oh, church, there's so many people that will not be ready. So there'll be deep mourning among the people of the earth. There's coming a day, church. There's coming a day where the arrests will stop, the persecution will end, the killing will cease. And for those who believe in Jesus, there'll be no more crying and no more tears and no more sorrow and no more pain and no more death because the sign of the Son of Man, Jesus, will appear in the sky. He will come on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. As Revelation 6 says, the sky will roll back as a scroll and everyone will see him. And for those who believe, it will be a great time of celebration. But for those who don't, there'll be deep mourning. Church, do not believe that Jesus is back until you see him in the sky. Knowing when Christ returns is not as important as being ready. So what should I know to be ready for his return? Well, there's signs that last week, everyone will see him. He is not back until you see him. And it will be a global event. You won't miss it, okay? Like he came quietly at Christmas. No one knew. He left triumphantly at the resurrection, a few knew. He's coming back victoriously and everyone will know. Everyone will know. So Matthew 24, 31, the last verse from our main scripture says this, and he, that's Jesus, will send out his angels with a mighty blast of a trumpet and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. I don't think I've ever done this before in a sermon, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you my last two points right in a row, but don't get too excited. We're not quite done yet. So here's my last two points, okay? 
right in a row because the rest of our, our conversation here or the talk is going to be about these two things. So number two sign to be ready, the trumpet will sound. Jesus said it, trumpet will sound. Number three, the believers will be saved. I'm going to add a word, only believers will be saved. Everyone will see him, the trumpet will sound, and only believers will be saved. Now, I have prayed a lot about this last part of my message here, because what I'm about to share, I know there are different, even passionate opinions about this, okay? So in sharing my belief about the return of Christ and the rescue of believers to be with him forever, I know there are people who have loved Jesus as much as I do or more and disagree greatly with my theology on this, okay? So I understand that. I'm not saying that you have to believe with my specific opinion on how Christ will return or when that will happen to be saved. This is not a salvation issue, okay? As long as we can agree that Jesus is Lord and he is coming back, I can unite with you. We might disagree on specifics. That's okay. There's literally dozens of theologies of this, but that's my preface, and I'm going to say it. So I'm going to say something that I know won't be popular with some people, especially Christians, because it goes against what many of you have been taught in your life and what you even currently believe, but I feel like it's my responsibility if I am called your senior pastor, which I am, it's my responsibility to share this, tell you what I believe, and then let you and the Holy Spirit you know, figure out what you're going to believe. For some of you, you won't even care about this. That's okay. For others of you, you're very passionate about it. That's okay too. And I'm going to use a term here in a moment that you may not understand if you're kind of new to church and the faith, but you'll figure it out as we go along. So here we go. All right. Enough of the apologies. I believe, okay, my opinion, I believe the rescue or the taking of those who believe in Jesus does not happen in a secret rapture of the church. I believe the rescue, the taking of those who believe happens at the return of Christ alone and everyone will know what happened. There'll be no question what happened. And here's why I believe that. Because I can't find anywhere in Scripture where you will find the teaching of a secret rapture, taking of Christians, I can't find it in Scripture. You won't find any teaching about Christians all of a sudden disappearing and no one knows what happened until someone else comes along and explains it to them. I know it's a popular belief. I know books have been written about it. They've been made into movies starring Kirk Cameron and Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I admit I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. I just don't see it in Scripture. Matthew records Jesus saying, two people will be out in a field working, two women will be grinding a mill, one will be taken, the other left. But it does not give any indication that that happens in some sort of secret thing that no one knows about. The only time in the Bible you ever see Christians being taken or rescued is when Christ returns. Everyone will see him, the trumpet will sound, the angels will be sent, and the believers will be saved. 
It's the only place you see it. Now, if you're familiar with the Bible and you've studied it, you might be thinking, well, doesn't the Bible say the rapture happens in the blink of an eye? It actually doesn't. The Bible actually never uses the word rapture. I use it because it's the word we're familiar with, but that word's not even in the Bible, okay? The idea that the rapture, the taking of believers, happens in the blink of an eye is from this scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. The Apostle Paul says this, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye. When the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. So the rapture does not happen in the blink of an eye. The transformation does. The change does, where we are given our new glorified bodies, free from disease, defect, deformity, or disability for eternity. And all of that happens when the trumpet sounds. And listen, the only place the trumpet sounds in Scripture is when Christ visibly returns. It has to be the same event. The Apostle Paul also said this, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you'll not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living, when the Lord returns, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we, Paul speaking about himself, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. There we'll be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Now, this is me thinking out loud. Either Paul expected to miss the secret rapture and catch this one, or there's only one rapture of the church, and it happens when Christ returns. The trumpet sounds, the angels are sent, and we are caught up together with him in the air. Let's go a little bit deeper. I told you we're going to wade in deep water today. Did you know that there's actually no teaching of a secret rapture in Christian history prior to 1830? It's a fairly new theology. The idea of a secret rapture where believers just disappear and their clothes are on the ground and planes fall from the sky and no one knows what happened until someone explained. The, the, the idea came in 1830 when a 15-year-old Scottish girl named Margaret MacDonald fell dangerously ill. And during her sickness, she claimed she had a vision from God that included a secret rapture of believers before the worldwide attack against Christians and before the visible return of Christ, which would be the second rapture, you can call it. 
Her pastor, Edward Irving, began to promote this rapture doctrine based on her visions. This doctrine then, through the years, was was picked up by other well-known theologians such as John Darby and Schofield and others, and it trickled all the way down into 2018, where really, probably the majority of Christians believe there will be a secret rapture where all of a sudden Christians around the world disappear. No one knows what happened until it's explained to them. And then these Christians miss the coming you know, worldwide persecution on the earth, and then Jesus visibly returns later. That's probably the majority view in theology. John Wesley did not teach this. John Calvin didn't teach it. Martin Luther didn't teach it. The apostles didn't teach it. And none of the early church fathers taught it. It started in 1830 from Margaret MacDonald's vision. And while I know it's a popular belief and even well-known, I don't personally believe it's correct. And I'm open in a whole can of worms that I don't have time to get into today. And as I said, some of you are very passionate about your view. That's opposite of mine. Some of you don't even care. That's fine. But according to Jesus and Paul and John, they seem to clearly show us that at the return of Christ, preceded by signs, and after the worldwide persecution of believers, everyone will see him. The trumpet will sound. The angels are sent. And only believers are saved. Did you know the idea, the belief, that Jesus will come back for us before there's any worldwide persecution is largely an American theology? Why is that? Because it already started around the world. We're just arrogant enough to believe Jesus loves us more than them. I probably shouldn't tell you this either, but I'm going to. We're going to dive into this next week. And this is probably a bigger bombshell for some of you than the last one. I personally don't believe there's a second chance for rescue after Christ returns. I do not believe there's a second rapture after the first. I believe Jesus is coming back one time for the church. That's why we are repeatedly warned in the New Testament, even by our Lord himself, be ready. Be ready. Because I'm coming back. Everybody will see it. The trumpet will sound, I'll send my angels, and only those who believe are saved. Now listen, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm dead wrong. I would love for Jesus to come back and save us before any persecution hits our country. I would love it if that happened. For me and any of my descendants, I'd love it. I would love for there to be another chance after the first one. If there's a a second chance, I hope there's 15 more. Like if there's another chance, give them as many as possible. I, I hope I'm wrong. I very well might be. I just don't see it in Scripture. And we're going to talk more about that next week. So if you're not so angry that you can't come back, then come back next week. 
If you want to dive deeper into greater detail of end times theology, my grandpa is 97 years old. My mom's dad, he's been studying, writing, teaching on end times theology and the book of Revelation, which we're not even touching in the series. Uh, we're literally scratching the surface, guys, of end times theology. But uh, if you want to pick up, we've got a bundle of three of his books for 12 bucks out at the uh, Element store out there. And he dives into great detail in the book of Revelation, end times, return of Christ. Just understand it's written from his perspective and understanding of Scripture. Uh, what, everything he says is not necessarily spoken truth from the Lord. It's what he believes is true. It's been very helpful for me. I would align with his theology. So if you want to pick up one of those, 12 bucks out at the store. Knowing when Christ returns, not as important as being ready. I hope that's what lands today, by the way. Because the reality is he can come back right now. I could drop dead right now. Either way, I'm standing face to face with Jesus. I don't know about you, I don't want to hope there's another chance. I hope there is, but I'm not banking on that. I'm banking on the fact that Jesus paid my penalty for sin. And by faith in him, either when I die or when he returns, I will be gold. <laughs> I'll be good, but I want to be ready for his return. There's signs, talk about that. Everyone will see him, trumpet will sound. Only believers will be saved. If you're here today and this sermon has kind of sparked something in you to talk about faith in Christ, I'm not going to give a response in the service because I don't want there to be an emotional response based on fear. But if you want to talk about what it means to put your faith in Christ, to be ready, to meet him face to face, I'd love to talk to you about that. Just talk to me out in the lobby. I'll be out there when we're done. Or you can stop by the purple tent in the back of the auditorium and talk to one of our prayer team members. In fact, if, if you've got a prayer need of any kind, uh, you can stop back there and we'll wait as long as we need to and we will pray for you and whatever you have going on in your life. Thanks for being patient today. I don't think anybody fell asleep. If you did, I'm not offended. You must have needed some rest and hopefully God gave it to you through my sermon. <laughs> we, we were waiting deep today, right? And so thanks for being, being locked in. Next week, we're going to look at Matthew 25 and kind of talk about why we should be ready. And Jesus has some strong, strong words for us next week that we should pay attention to. So let me pray for you. And then just remain still, if you would. Got just a couple quick closing things. God, thanks so much for not leaving us in the dark. Lord, that all this is, it's, it's still confusing, but you're, you're super clear on one thing. You are the only way to be saved and you are coming back. So Lord, whenever that happens, however that happens, is not up to me. My theology could be completely wrong, but I know you are God, and you are going to come again. So Lord, help me, help us be ready for your return. I pray this would change the way we live today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you're new, Please stop by the living room on your way out. And then I know that we're just, uh, you know, we're still a couple months away, but before you know it, the Back to School Bash will be here. This is really the highlight event of our year, serving these families through the backpacks and shoes and the, and the Back to School Bash. So whenever you're ready or if you're able, please stop by uh, the Back to School Bash table and purchase a backpack bundle. Our family will be purchasing, purchasing several of them, and I'd love for you to join us in that, all right? I love you guys. Have an awesome week. You're dismissed.